Mesech's Taras Parag Dalad Mishin Tesson Tul Parag Dalad Mishin Yud Beis. A couple of Mishnahs ago, the Mishnah listed 12 different cases of doubt with regards to impurity that are ruled leniently as being pure, even though in general the rule is that it depends on whether the doubt occurs in a private area or a public area. The Mishnah lists 12 cases where the doubt will be ruled as being pure, and the remainder of this parak, this chapter, elaborates in further detail on each of these 12 cases. Sveik mashkim litame, if there is a doubt with regards to liquids becoming tome, that is ruled strictly, and tome, the liquid, would be ruled tome out of doubt, because liquids becoming tome is mid-eraisa. According to the Torah, they can become tome, so just like with regards to all doubts, virtually all doubts on a mid-eraisa level, they are ruled stringently. Ketzad will be an example. A person who is impure, who stretches out his leg to a place where there are pure liquids, and there is a doubt whether or not his leg touched the liquid and made it tome or not. The Mishnah says, out of doubt we would consider the liquids to be tome. Because of the general rule that Sof Sveikad Raisalhumra, a doubt with regards to a Torah law is ruled stringently. Another example, Haisa Kikar if there was a impure loaf of bread in his hand, Uzraka Levain Mashkim Tahirim, and he threw it amongst pure liquids. Now if there is a doubt as to whether it touched the liquids whilst it was in the middle of the air, then that doubt would be ruled leniently because it's considered to be a doubt that occurs when the source of impurity is not resting in any fixed position. It's Tumosh Elomoka in which we've already learnt that the doubt in that case would be ruled leniently. But the Mishnah is talking about a case where Savik Noga Savikloi Noga, there is a doubt whether or not it touched the liquid after it came to a rest on the ground. So in such a case, since, once again, this is a doubt with regards to something, whether it's Tomei Midoraisa or not, Sveiko Tomei, its doubt would be considered to be impure. On the other hand, continues the Mishnah, Ule Tomei, with regards to a Tomei liquid making something else Tomei, Tohar, if it is a doubt whether or not it touched that other item, then it would be ruled being pure, the, the, the other item would be ruled as pure. The reason for this is because the ability for Tomei liquids to make other food or drink Tomei is only Midurabonon, and therefore there is a general rule that Sveika Durabonon Lakula, a doubt with regards to a rabbinic law, is ruled leniently. Kate said what would be an example, if there was a stick in the person's hand, and on the tip of that stick was impure liquid, and he threw the stick amongst loaves of bread that are currently pure, and Sovik Nogas Veling Noga, there is a doubt whether or not the Tommy liquid touched the loaves after it came to a rest on the ground. Sveiko Tohar, out of doubt, the loaves would remain pure, because, as we explained, this is a doubt with regards to a rabbinic law, because even if the liquid definitely touched the loaves, the loaves would only be Tommy Midjabonon. Mr. Yud, this is a continuation of the previous Mishnah, and Rabbi Yossi says, Sveik Mashkim, with regards to a doubt of liquids making something else Tomei, it's not true that which the previous Mishnah ruled, that the other item is always going to be considered pure out of doubt, because it's a rabbinic doubt. It's a doubt with regards to the rabbinic Tumah. 
According to Rabbi Yossi, if there is a doubt whether food touched the Tomei liquid, then Tomei, the food would be ruled as being Tomei out of doubt, because according to Rabbi Yossi, Tomei liquid is actually able to make other food Tomei raisa. If the liquid is Tomei on the level of a Rishon Tuma and it touches the other food, so regular food can become Tomei as a Shani Tuma. So according to Rabbi this is a doubt with regards to Tumamidoraisa of the Torah. So out of doubt, it would be Tomei. The Lakelim, Rabbi agrees that if the doubt is with regards to utensils that touch the Tomei liquid, that is certainly only Midrabon and therefore Tahar, out of doubt, it would be ruled pure. The opinion of the previous Mishnah understands that even though a regular Rishang the Tumar is able to make food Tomei, if, the, if it's a liquid, then... Based on Psukim, the previous Mishnah understands that a Tomei liquid is never able to make other food Tomei. Kate said, what would an example be of food and utensils according to Rabbi If there were two barrels of water, one of the barrels contained impure water and one of them contained pure water, and somebody made dough. And he added to the flour water from one of these barrels. And there is a doubt whether he added water from the barrel of impure water or from the barrel of pure water. The Mishnah says, Over here there would be an application of Rabbi Yossi's ruling that with regards to Tomei liquid touching other food, we rule stringently and it would be Tomei, the food. So over here, the dough would be Tomei out of doubt, the Lakalim Tahar, and with regards to the utensil, we rule that it is pure, and because of that, the bowl in which the person kneaded the dough will be considered to be pure out of doubt, because that impurity is only Midrabonon, and out of doubt, we rule leniently. The list of 12 leniencies with regards to doubts of impurity continues. Fake your daim if there is a doubt with regards to impurity of the hands. There are certain scenarios in which the Chachonim decreed that one's hands alone become Tomei on the level of a Sheni Latuma. According to the Torah, there's no such concept of just one part of one's body becoming Tomei. However, Midrabonon, there are certain cases where one's hands alone become Tomei, and the Mishnah says that Litamei, if there is a doubt whether the hands became Tomei in one of those scenarios, Ulutamei, or there's a doubt whether his hands made something else impure by touching it, if the hands touched Truma, for example, Vilitaher, or if there is a doubt whether his hands became pure, in order to purify one's hands from impurity, one either needs to dip them into a mikveh, just, just his hands, or he can do an he can pour water onto his hands. Either way, if there is a doubt as to whether he did that correctly, in all of these cases, Tahar, the person will be considered pure, even his hands will become pure, because this entire impurity is a rabbinic stringency. The Mishnah does not elaborate so much on these laws right now because there's an entire Masechta that is dedicated to discuss the laws of impurity of the hands. That Masechta is called Yodayim, which literally means hands. Next one on the list, Harabim, a doubt of impurity that occurs in a public place, Tahar is ruled as being pure. And once again, over here, the Mishnah does not elaborate on the details of these laws because we've already seen many of the laws and later on, the Mishnah will continue to elaborate on these laws, and that's one of the subjects of this Masechta, really. 
continues the Mishnah, a doubt with regards to Tuma Midirabonon. The Mishnah is going to show that we're talking about specific types of impurity Midirabonon. For example, if a person ate impure food, as long as he eats enough of it, half a loaf, so Midirabonon, his entire body becomes Tomei, or if he drinks enough impure liquid, Midrabonon, the person becomes impure as a result. If a person's head and majority of his body, literally this means it came into drawn water, this means either he had a shower with water that wasn't naturally flowing, or he bathed in water that was obviously drawn water, it wasn't flowing. And the person we're talking about over here is a Tavul Yoim. A Tavul Yoim is somebody who was impure, and he's been to the mikveh, which is the main part of his purification process. However, he still has a low level of impurity, even after he's been to the mikveh, until the end of that day, until night time. And for the rest of that day, he is called a Tavul Yoim. Now, the mikvois, the natural, the collection of natural water in which a person would immerse himself to be purified were usually pretty dirty, and therefore they would always shower immediately after going to the mikveh. The chachom were concerned, therefore, that people might end up mistakenly thinking that it wasn't the mikveh that purified them, but it was the shower that purified them. And in order to avoid such a mistake, Midrabonon, one who showers when he is a tavul yoim on that same day as he went to the mikveh, or even if he bathes in that water, even though the reason for the decree was because people would always shower immediately after. But the Chachom said that even if one showers or even bathes in water after going to the mikveh on that same day, Midrabonon, he becomes Tomei, and he would need to go to the mikveh again. And this way, people would not go to the shower, and we would not have that concern of people coming to the wrong conclusion that it's the shower that purifies them. In addition to this, if three loig, a volume of that amount of water that is drawn, is it falls on a person's head and the majority of his body, essentially that means that he has a shower. Even if he's not a tavul yoim, he would be tomei. The reason for this is because if people, when they have a regular shower, do not become tomei, and when they, when they go to the mikveh and then have a shower, they do become tomei. People won't understand that the reason for that is because of the decree that we just described. They wouldn't understand this seeming contradiction in the law, and therefore, Midrabonon, whenever one showers with drawn water, they become Tomei. This part of the decree only applies to when one showers, not when he bathes, because anyway, the original decree was only because of a concern of people showering. Be as it may, in all of these cases, since the entire impurity is a rabbinic concept, they introduce this entire impurity, so Sfeiko Tohar, in a case of doubt, it will be ruled as being pure. The person will be ruled as being pure. Now the Mishnah adds an important point. Although in general, the rule is Sfeiko Doraisa Lachumra, if there is a doubt with regards to a Torah law, then we rule stringently, and Sfeiko Dorabonon Lakula, if there is a doubt with regards to a Rabbinic law, then we are lenient. And this really explains the entire previous part of the Mishnah, that since these impurities are all Midirabonon, Therefore, a doubt with regards to them is ruled leniently. However, the mission mentions an exception to this. Something that is considered to be on the level of an avhatuma, primary source of impurity, a primary level, just like a regular source of impurity is on that high level of impurity. 
even if the entire impurity is only as a result of a rabbinic law and they introduced this impurity, nevertheless, a doubt with regard to that impurity is ruled stringently as being tome. And even though this is not consistent with the regular rule that we are lenient in regards to rabbinic laws, over here we understand that the tumor that the Rabbonon decreed, they decreed even in a case where there is a doubt as to whether this impurity should apply. And the truth is, these were mentioned earlier on in the Perek. For example, a piece of earth that comes from outside of Eretz Yisrael, even a piece of earth that possibly came out from outside of Eretz Yisrael, the Chacham decreed impurity on that piece of earth. So it's not as if it's an objective doubt. Rather, they said that in the same way as we're decreeing impurity on earth that definitely came from outside of Eretz Yisrael, we are also definitively decreeing impurity on a piece of earth that possibly came from outside of Eretz Yisrael. A doubt with regards to chulin, which is regular unsanctified food. And according to the strict letter of the law, there's no problem for chulin to become tome and to eat chulin in a state of impurity. Or for a pure person to eat tome chulin, there's no problem according to the strict letter of the law. Only sanctified food needs to be avoided from it allowing to be become impure. That having been said, certain righteous people accepted upon themselves to make sure that they would conduct their everyday lives in a state of purity and they would be careful not to eat even regular unsanctified chulin food in a state of impurity. So for example, a person who accepted this upon themselves would treat clothes belonging to an Amha Aret, somebody who was ignorant of most of the laws of impurity, so they would treat such a person's clothes as being Tomei, essentially. That having been said, if there was a doubt as to whether they had touched a, the clothes of an Amharetz, or if food touched the clothes of an Amharetz, so in such a case of a doubt, they would be, we would be lenient. Since anyway, this is a stringency above and beyond the strict letter of the law. So the Mishnah explains, Zaytaras Prishos, this refers to the purity standard of the, of the people who had a practice to be more separated and accept upon themselves these extra stringencies. Next example, Sveik Shirotzim, a doubt with regards to Shirotzim, which are the eight dead animals that the Torah lists as being an Av Hatumah a primary level of impurity, there are sources of impurity more than a regular dead animal. The Mishnah says, Kshas Mitzi Oson, we judge it according to the time that they are found. That is to say, like we learned earlier on, in the Masechta, if there is a source of impurity that was thrown, for example, among loaves, and we're unsure whether whether or not it touched the loaves. And right now, we're able to see that it is not touching the loaves. We have a doubt as to whether earlier on it did touch the loaves or not. Since currently, the way that we see it is that it is not touching the loaves, the concept of Chazokah de Hashtar, that we assume that the status that we can see in front of us right now was the same status as that which existed earlier on, and that even earlier on, the source of impurity was not touching the loaves, and because of that, it can be ruled leniently. So even though the mission is talking about Shiratsim, that's just an example of a source of impurity, that even with regards to a severe source of impurity, the concept of Chazokah Dehashta will allow us to assume the loaves to still be pure. Sefeik Negoim, a doubt with regards to Tzara'as, which is 
when certain white spots appear on one's skin as a result of sins, and it makes a person Tomei. And there are different stages in the person becoming Tomei. Really, he doesn't become Tomei automatically by the Tsaras being on his body, but rather it needs to be examined by a Koyen, and the Koyen declares, based on the features of the spot on his skin, whether or not the person should be Tomei or not. The truth is, Tsaras does not only apply to a person's skin, it can also be on a person's clothes and on one's house as well. Be it as it may, the Mishnah says, but at the beginning, when one first comes to the Koyen for him to examine the Tsara'as, Tahar, if there is a doubt as to whether it's Tsara'as or not, then it is ruled as being pure. As long as it hasn't previously been declared as impure because it's Tsara'as. However, once this spot has been declared as being impure, as being Tsara'as, and later on there is a doubt as to whether the Tsara'as still exists, or the features of it have changed such that it would no longer be considered Tsara'as, so the person should be able to begin his purification process. The Mishnah says, Sveiko Tomei, out of doubt, we would consider him to still be impure and to still have Tsara'as. And this is based on the concept of Chazoka Dmei Kara, that we assume that the status of the person continues to be as it has been until now, until we know that a change has definitely occurred. Next example, Sveik Naziros, if there is a doubt as to whether or not a person became a Nozir, a Nozir is a person who accepts upon himself certain prohibitions, three prohibitions, not to drink wine, not to become impure from dead bodies, and not to cut his hair, be it as it may, if for whatever reason he made a declaration on condition that a particular fact is true, and we're not able to find out whether that fact is true, so out of doubt, he would not become a Nazir. And the last example of this Mishnah is fake Bechirais. A doubt with regards to firstborns. Echad Odom. Whether it is a firstborn son of a person, there is an obligation to redeem that son from a Koyen. The Koyen is somewhat considered to be the owner of that child, and the father of the child needs to pay a certain amount of money, five sela coins, to the koyen in order to redeem his son. Or whether it's the firstborn animal, there are certain animals that also need to be redeemed from the koyen if they are the firstborn animal. Whether it's a non-kosher animal, the only non-kosher animal that needs to be redeemed is a donkey. It's redeemed onto a sheep or a goat, and that is given to the Koyen, Bain Tahira, or if it's a firstborn kosher animal, such as a sheep or a goat itself. So the firstborn animal itself would need to be given to the Koyen. In each of these three cases, if there is a doubt as to whether there is an obligation or not, we are lenient, and he would not be obligated to give it to a Koyen. And the reason for this is Shehamitz Mechaveir Olavaraya. There is a general rule with regards to doubts in monetary matters that the one who wants to take money from somebody else is the one who needs to prove that he has the right to do so. So as long as it's a doubt, we leave the money where it currently is, and over here we would leave the animal or the money where it is, and as long as there is no proof, he would not be obligated to give it to the Koyen. Now, all of the examples except for the last two are examples of impurity, and doubts of impurity. The last two examples are not related to doubts of impurity, but nevertheless, they are included in the list of cases where we are lenient in cases of doubt.